0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Dublin Tech Talks podcast. Uh, on today's show, we have Nick Keegan, uh, founder and CEO of Mailmetrics. Uh, Mailmetrics has developed a technology solution to help companies outsource and digitally transform their regulatory and customer communications. Um, Mailmetrics have been awarded the top 15 in the Deloitte Fast 50, they've done multiple acquisitions, uh, super high grow. Uh, business and somebody on the open up. And up. Uh, can't wait to speak to Nick about their business, about how they've done it, what their plans are, uh, and really where the, the problem was and, and how they got to a solution. Uh, we hope you enjoy So Nick Keegan, founder and CEO of Mailmetrics. Welcome to Dublin Tech Talks. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Thanks for having me. No, our pleasure. Um, so Mailmetrics, can you give us a bit about kind of where that came from, your kind of story to, to date, um the good old kind of who you are and where
1: you've come from. Absolutely, yeah. So my name
0: is Nick Keegan
1: from uh, Dublin city. I started Mailmetrics with two co-founders back in 2013. So the initial uh, idea for the company was quite different than what it is today. So the, the, the company initially was called Green Letterbox. Uh, we were a consumer app. The idea was that you would have one secure app on your phone where you'd get all of your utility bills, all of your telephone bills, all of your correspondence from your different service providers would come into one app and you could manage all that correspondence, pay your bills. And the problem that we were trying to solve was that instead of having to go to your uh, utility provider's website to log in and get your utility bill and so on and so forth, you'd have one place and only one username and password to manage. Um, so that was the, the, the genesis of the business. We would have went out and did the usual um, Kind of fundraising paths that you do here in Ireland, go to EI, get the high potential startup fund, mm. raise some invest uh, some angel investment. Uh we would have built out then that product and ultimately we went to to market with that and uh found out pretty quickly that we developed something that nobody actually wanted to use or no nobody wanted to pay for it, let's say uh which which was the first flaw but um we had managed to get out there and start talking to all the various service providers, the banks, the insurance companies, the utilities providers. And in particular, the financial services companies were telling us that they did have a problem with their customer correspondence and how they communicate with their customers. Now, they didn't like the product we were bringing to them. They said that wasn't for them Mm. um, because they wanted their customers going to their own website so they could sell them other products and services. But essentially, they did have a problem with that. They wanted to go digital. And that's what we doubled down on and focused on. And essentially we've we've built uh, a, a suite of products around that, and that's sort of grown and scaled from there. And we obviously rebranded then to, to Mailmetrics.
0: So fundamentally, Mailmetrics is a secure messaging platform by mail or by digital.
1: Yeah, you're you're not too far off. So so we'd call it a customer communication platform for mm. mission critical communications or business critical communications. So we don't partake in any kind of marketing messaging or anything like that most of our customers use mail metrics to both send and receive their regulatory communications yeah so if you're an insurance company the central bank here in ireland has very strict rules and regulations as to as to what documents that insurance company needs to send to their policyholders, and what documents need to go at certain points in the policy life cycle so uh, those companies will use us in the first instance, they'll predominantly be sending paper and yeah. they'll be sending like millions and millions of letters every year. And then over time, we help them to digitize that and send more to electronic channels.
0: Were, were you surprised that that was a problem that you had to solve? Because you, you, you think and you go, you, you receive, like you do receive your letters, your, your, your policies and that kind of stuff. You just naturally think it's come from the yeah. place you've bought it. And um, were, you, were you surprised that it was a, a, a problem people wanted to get rid of, or, or something people would outsource?
1: Not really, because uh, my background, like a, a job I had previous to founding the business, uh, I worked in a printing company and sure. they printed and mailed letters. And so I was exposed to that. And that's where myself and my co founders met. And that's where we came up with the idea like, this is a bit mad, we should be we should be sending these electronically. You know, why why aren't we sending these electronically? But actually what we found was the likes of utility providers, telcos, they'd all made the digital switch a long time ago. Banks for the likes of bank statements, that had all gone digital a long time ago. But if you think in your day-to-day, kind of in your daily life, what kind of mail do you get through the door? It's primarily from financial services. It's kind of pensions correspondence. It's all of the other documents that, aren't the high volume you know easy documents to digitize so we kind of doubled down and focused on financial services because they have le- legacy systems they have all these financial regulations that they're trying to contend with and it makes it pretty challenging for them to go digital so we've developed a nice solution to to, to help them to do that you know
0: okay bro so you've, you've you've pivoted you you've realized that you actually have a solution people want you know that's when the excitement started i'm guessing that's when you know you sat down as a leadership team and said, "Okay, we actually have something there." Um, what what was the, what 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 did you do there? You obviously had to p- get an anchor client, or you had to pick up the first the first win, and then kind mm-hmm. of see what is the solution, is it right? How is it working? How can we get better? Is that the kind of movement next?
1: Yeah, to a certain extent. So, uh, you know, the 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 old saying life's too short to build software that nobody wants. Uh, We got burnt the first time. That wasn't a nice experience. And so we swore we would never write another line of code unless we had somebody who was paying us to do it or a paying customer waiting at the end of it. So we managed to uh, secure a contract with a major insurance company. And they had a problem that they were looking to solve. And we had absolutely no customers at the time. And a lot money in the bank and a lot of time on our hands. So we essentially built a product for that company. And uh, it was a big success, you know, they got a lot of value out of it. And so obviously we start thinking, do other companies in the same industry have the same problem? And as we started bringing this product to other companies in the the financial services industry, we found that, that yes, they do actually, this is a widespread problem. And it just kind of snowballed from there. We got our next customer and our next and our next, and then it's quite a small industry, people move around, uh, we were getting recommend, recommended from one company to the next. And uh, it just really took off at that point, you know.
0: Well, and and we'll move into the next stage. But what would be the kind of lessons you learned to that point? Well, you know, obviously build product people need that. Type. What, what was, because because your background before that was, you know, from, from the army, you were quite regimented, I'm guessing, very, you know, task orientated, everything that goes that way. So I'm guessing you were... Think you were ticking the boxes as you went along. Well, you know, now looking back from buying customer one to before that, what, what would you say were the big lessons that still stick with you or the lessons that you went, oh, I can't believe I did that?
1: Uh, we started raising money too soon. For some reason, we started a business and felt we needed to go and get investors, which, again, was a big mistake. Like, we, we spent so much time trying to raise a seed round just because it was like, thing you do you start Mm. a startup and you raise a seed round we didn't we didn't really need to do that the first customer we actually secured if we had have spent the same amount of time trying to find a customer Mm. uh, we would have we would have moved faster we would have built a product that somebody wanted and we would have been profitable much earlier we would have kept a lot more equity so if i was doing it again i would try to get my first customer to fund my early sort of Proof of concept or your 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 m v p and, and and take that approach um, that's the first thing. The next thing is validate all these various assumptions that you have, and that's really obvious now and mm. you know, there's there's plenty of books and there's plenty of materials that kind of spell that out for you, but at the time I wasn't aware of any of that, so we took the different approach we thought our idea was so good that we, won't, we wouldn't talk to anybody about it because somebody would rob yeah. it on us, you know, and it was that kind of approach we took. So we were very cloak and dagger. We kept it to ourselves. We built this product in secret. And we were trying to raise money in the background and it was just a total, total wrong approach. I'd rather now have an idea, speak to a customer before an investor, yeah. get the customer on board, get them to help you to fund it and build it with you. And then
0: once you've proven the model, then maybe go to look for investors and try to scale it up that way. Okay, bro. And um. Scale. you This is amazing. But you brought us right onto the point that I was thinking. The next. So, so so scaling. Um, if you win your first customer, you win your third, you're, you're you're five, six, seven customers deep now, and you're going. Okay, mm. do we? I'm guessing mindset is: Do we have the best product now that we need to be? And if we don't, what do we do next? And how do we go from? I know for myself and my own business, how do you go from ten customers to? You don't think 12, you're thinking 20, 30 customers. How, how am I getting there? Is, is, that the, is that the journey you went on from there?
1: Uh, p- pretty much. So once we knew we had something that was of value to, uh, to the industry that we're targeting, we said, well, this is, this is grand now. We just go and we sell it to more people. But actually, unfortunately, like, there's a lot of positives about the industry that we're in, but there's a lot of negatives. And one of the negatives is the really slow, painful sales cycle. It's like enterprise sales, yeah. where there's a very few actually target companies in, in any geography that we're, that we're looking to sell to. So we were trudging along for a long time, trying to just get another customer to make the decision that they want to outsource all their documentation to us. We'd take over the mail room, we'd move it to our site. We then we'd help them to digitize it with the digital platform. And it's a very big decision for one of our customers to make because in many cases, they're outsourcing a a business critical service and they need to get regulatory approval by the financial regulator. So they don't do that on a whim. Like it takes 12 to 24 months for a a target customer to make that decision and decide, we're gonna give these guys a contract. So there was a lot of time where we were just knocking on doors and not really making any progress. You know, you need to build up that pipeline over many years. And so we were thinking, we're never gonna be able to scale the business if we're just relying on organic sales. And what we needed was access to those customers as quickly as possible. So we had a notion that we could go and and, and look for these traditional letter printing companies, for want of a better description, that provided outsourced letter printing and fulfillment for banks, insurance companies, life and pensions providers. And we could basically buy them and introduce our technology to their existing customer book. That was the idea that we had. Mm. But again, we were starting from scratch. I knew nothing about m and I knew nothing about raising debt funding or talking to private equity investors and all the things that goes with that next sort of chapter in the growth story. Um, so it probably took us 18 months to two years from the time I had that idea to the time I was educated and I found the right advisors and partners to work with till we actually made our first acquisition. Um, and that was last year where we made two acquisitions, one in Ireland, one in the UK. And
0: um, you know to to kind of follow through on that business plan. Uh, I'll, I'll come back to m a in a minute, but the the learning on that side because that's something that you know you're, you're still young in, in in business. You're you're there. Was that something that you know you went to EI about? Is that something that you you know where did that knowledge come from? Because you know you're, it's not something that. You, you you either know somebody that's involved in that or you pay them that's the kind of usual two ways. so um but it's a really interesting space to get into especially if you're trying to figure out the 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 maths around what you're trying to buy what you're trying to get the 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 x figure that you can get if you purchase oh, it's like you know that's what you're trying to think which which way did you go about that uh or did you just
1: you know, google it yeah well i did I, listen the first thing i did is i started googling how do you buy a business how do you value all these like kind of really basic questions you know yeah and uh at the time like i i didn't like so i started googling and you start getting responses like you know, you buy a, a traditional business. You buy on a multiple of EBITDA. I was like, "What the hell is that?" I didn't know what that was. You know, so so what is EBITDA? Googling that, and I'm trying to get my head around that. And think "Geez, I don't even really know what that means." So I did something which was, I suppose, actually looking back, it was quite a quite a, a good way of doing it. I approached a, I approached some 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 lad off the internet who does grinds for accountants, and I said, "Listen, I want to get some grinds." Like, and I went for two two sessions, and I brought along. The financial statements for three or four of my competitors. And I just said, let tell me how to like decipher this and how to value this based on a multiple of EBITDA." And you broke it all down for me. And uh, like I know it sounds silly, right? But it was an
0: easy way for someone to yeah. walk me through it and show it to me. And then after that sure, that was all I need to know. And uh, so then then you you went you through your, your your purchases. That must have been a big step for for the business. That's um you know that, that that's when you're getting oh you know this is a, we've built something now we, we've actually bought we physically bought a couple of companies we've vexed our business you're now you know seen as one of the growth super growth companies going on to delight fast 50 you know that that must be a great recognition and, and, and kind of a you know we're doing something here yes you then have to kind of pay for it so so what what, what was that kind of journey like um you don't really
1: stop very often to look back on it actually so it's nice when you get in the fast 50 mm. and get that kind of recognition and it's good it brings a bit of um it's good for morale in the team it's good for from a publicity perspective uh you know when you're going out raising funding it's good to have a bit of a profile around the business yes. so for that reason it's good as is doing things like this um you know initially when you're going into it you're nervous like what are we, what if we're buying a dud here like what if we're kind of Get stuck with a business that isn't performing what if the guys were buying it off or not being honest with us but actually you know we found out that generally so far so good um you know we've bought well and we've bought at fair prices and it allows us to to, to you know introduce the technology and increase the value in the yes. business um like i suppose the the growth story we have really ambitious plans and so we're almost a bit critical Of ourselves because we feel like we should be further along and we're trying to push along further with that we're you know we're very acquisitive at the moment we're talking to a lot of companies so um so yeah like we don't really stop and take stock too often um every now and then i look back and see how far we've got even from january last year to where we are this
0: year it's incredible to see how far we've come okay and you've you've mentioned your tech platform a few times i know i know you're not cto so i'm not going to ask you to break it down too far but you know, how important is it for you as a business to have that platform to be the bedrock for, for, for what the business is now?
1: Well, it's, it's the backbone of absolutely everything we do. Like we're a
0: software company
1: mm. that's buying traditional printing businesses, and we're digitizing their customers to digital communications. You know, sometimes it can be easy to understand why a company, why people might think that we're a, a print company because we've got all this big infrastructure in the background and we've got all these printed presses here and in the uk but actually you know they're supporting the technology platform and our customers are partnering with us not because we can print a letter for them there's loads of companies that can do that they're partnering with us because we know how to do that and then proactively move them along a digital journey to help them to get to 70 percent digital over like a 12-month period you know so the tech platform you know we've been developing that in one way shape or form since 2013 when Ooh. we pivoted from, from from the initial idea and uh like we know we're developing something really unique something really innovative and uh like we wouldn't be here where we are today if we didn't have the technology we wouldn't be winning the kind of business we have today if we didn't have the technology that's the value add really
0: yeah and and how how have you done that team wise it's it's distributed teams i'm guessing it's not all sitting in in dublin uh no actually for a long time i was the only one sitting in dublin uh
1: the two lads my co-founders martin and pavel two brothers uh from poland they're the brains behind the operations so they're the it guys Mm. martin's our cto and pavel is our chief product officer so he manages the development of the product so um, when we when we started the business they were both living in dublin yeah and you know, the cost of hiring developers here in Dublin was is yes. it was is <laughs> very very, uh, very expensive. So they went back to Warsaw, set up a, a little office in Warsaw, and they just hired some some friends they knew from from their their college days or whatever. And uh, some of them are still with us today. And the the team just grew from there. Like for a long time, we had three, four, five people over there, but we've nearly thirty people now in in, mm. in Warsaw who are developing the product. You know.
0: All the time. Yeah, no, it looks really well. Um, the dashboarding on it looks really well. And you know, from an outside looking in, it, it seems, it seems, you know, visually nice and functional. So you could see why if somebody's looking to go on a journey or you know, instantaneous like visualization of the kind of print numbers, all that kind of stuff, it's 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 an easy, it's an easy win for them. Um the, the one thing that I was I, I was thinking of the last couple of days. Um how in a positive way or a negative way the last two years has affected your business? Uh, I'm guessing from speaking to the positive, there's obviously a, a concentration of business, a look at costs, a, a a thirst to do something new and trust an outsource provider or trust a third-party cloud provider. Yeah. Is is that been like a blessing in disguise, would this have happened if there was still a kind of traditional mindset or is it a change of mindset helped the business? Um, so it's been good and bad, like operationally, it's
1: just been a pain, you know, just, yeah. with the working from home thing, we always had a bit of remote work because we're based across different countries. So we were used to that to a certain extent, the working from home thing um, was generally good and welcomed from a, from a customer perspective. We got a massive flurry at the start of COVID where we were getting inbounds from companies we'd been chasing for years. All of a sudden, uh, you know, this was a burning priority. And we were thinking, Jesus, is this a blessing in disguise? But if I'm honest, like there wasn't a huge amount of movement and there was a big flurry, but there wasn't a huge amount of movement. We won two or one or two particularly large contracts that we had been kind of, they had been in the, in the in the funnel for quite a while and it forced them to pull the trigger and said right we were thinking about doing this we're going to do it what it showed us is that we can deliver the most complex of onboarding projects like we're coming to an end of a project now that's probably 12 or even 18 months long uh, onboarding a massive customer and we've done that entirely remotely mm. and I never would have thought that previously we would have been able to do that. I think the fact that the, the customer was forced into a remote environment, we were forced, forced into a remote environment just meant that uh, there was no choice about it, but it's proved it now. Yeah. Like, there used to be times where I'd get on a train to go down to Cork or get on a plane to go to London for a meeting and come back. We'll never do that again. So it's improved our onboarding model. It's, it, it's, it's um, and it sort of proved to us that we can do that, that. We can scale the business geographically
0: without having to physically be there to onboard any customer just, just looking at my notes the scale next next uh, 2.0 like um i don't know if i mentioned this before but i i, I was at the pendulum summit actually and i was like why do irish companies look at ireland to yeah. scale you know like ireland's tiny yeah so you know the opportunity is outside of ireland be, be irish and stay do that but you know your opportunities outside ireland is that the opportunity for for the business mail metrics is it has to like to, to, to super get supernatural growth or whatever it has to look at Ireland. i'm guessing because there's only a certain amount of customers here is that, is that where you're focused on next uk europe america the world
1: yeah, pretty much like for a long time um you asked me earlier on about the mistakes we made one of the biggest mistakes we made and one of our weaknesses were we were very focused on ireland and that's up until like recently, in the last couple of years, it's very easy to just focus on Ireland, you know? So one of the acquisitions we made last year was a company that had operations in Bangor and Edinburgh. And so that was our first real move into the UK because we acquired a book of customers. Um, Our immediate focus is on the UK and we plan to do more in the UK and we plan to sort of scale up the UK side of our business. Where. We're a volume based business, so we get paid for every communication sent or received through our platform Mm. and just the pure maths of it. There's more communication sent in the UK than there is in Ireland or in the US than in the UK. So it's a pure volume play and the bigger the markets we can operate in, the better. So for the time being, we're going to continue to scale the business here in Ireland. Like we're going to we want to be the market leader here in Ireland. Um, We're pushing heavily into the uk now we've big plans this year and into next year but then we're looking further afield and we're reviewing what the market is like in the us at the moment and we think there's a big opportunity for us to enter the us so you know the usual we're, we're we're looking at the east coast initially and then see where we go from there but uh, yeah that's the model we've we've ambitious plans over the next 5 years and a lot of that is is focused
0: on on growing outside of ireland and yeah no I, I i when i heard that statement i was like oh yeah like everybody you just naturally this is where you want to be known it's easy it's comfortable um but yeah no definitely the you know just even how you get paid and you know exactly like we've got a we've got a network here so
1: you know and all everybody you work with has a network and so it's easy it's easy to do business in ireland in general like you know and i think it's you know, it's a very accessible place to do business. Like you can send the CEO of some company here an email and you'll get a response or like, you'll get a phone call or a cup of coffee or, you yeah. know, it's much e- it's easy to access people. When you go to the UK, I find it's very different and the US, you know, it's, it's not the same. So it's, it's a bit daunting when you're moving from that to, to, when you're moving from that environment to, to, uh, to not having that. So it's just about, you know, having the guts to, to, to say we're going to break out of Ireland and we're going to put the money we're going to put the time into it because it's what's
0: right for the company yeah yeah 100 no, and la- last question because it doesn't take up any more of your time and um, biggest learning that, that you've had or, or a takeaway that you'd want to give people who've listened and um, obviously you, you know you would change different things that you've done and um, you know you're focused on on your core you've product found out it's actually something like people want to buy what you know what is that next you know people ask you you know you're, you're in young enough ceo you're you're doing well in a business you know what what is what would you want somebody to take away after after hearing you know what what is that last bit of nugget that you'd want to give somebody who's probably sitting in their desk going can i do something like this is there you know was there a fear factor is it just get yeah. up and do it i think yeah uh, sort of it's easy to think that
1: everybody else knows what they're doing and you don't, you know, and I think that that's not, just not true. Like nobody knows what they're doing when they start. And if you think about it too much, you'll find a million reasons not to do it. Um, Now that doesn't mean that you just plow on without thinking. You obviously Mm -hmm. need to think and plan and, you know, assess what you're going to do, of course, but just go for it because, you know, I was starting this process, couldn't read a set of financial statements properly, but you learn it. Like it's not rocket science, you know. You'll pick it up. If someone else can do it, you can do it. And I suppose, um, you know, just because you're young, just because you're inexper- inexperienced or whatever, sh- shouldn't stop you from from just taking the leap. You know.
0: Okay, brilliant, Nick. Thanks, Mel, for your time. Um, it's, it's a super story, and I, I can't wait to to kind of see it grow. It's um, it's a really interesting business. That's again. The, the joys of of, of this world, you never even thought that it was a, a, a business market, even, you know, even like in, in, in you know, never even thought in my world, but there's so many of those businesses around that, you know, doing so well and, and the growth story is brilliant. So it's, it's great to see. So congratulations on that. Well that's it. So next time you get
1: a communication from one of your financial services well, providers, I'll uh, trans- well, have to open
0: it first rather than go. That's
1: a picture. Trans- I you that must- one. Oh, no, <laughs> next time. Yeah, well, look, um, just to say thanks a million for inviting us on. Uh really appreciate it and I enjoyed chatting to
0: you. Yeah, thanks, Mill. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. So that was Nick Keegan, uh, CEO and Fed, co-founder of Mailmetrics. Uh it's a really interesting business. Uh as I said there, it's something that um, a whole industry that you know. Didn't even know existed. Um, secure communications, um, taking our problem away from um, from a core provider, doing it better, quicker, uh, more cost effective. It's um, you know you look at it and you go you know that, that that's what people look for in a business opportunity. So uh, again, massive congratulations to the team, um, and hope hope it does well for themselves. Uh, for anything else. Please subscribe. Um, We'll be trying to get back in person um, over the year, but uh, we'll try and release a few more of these and we'll, we'll talk to you soon.